0: Welcome to the CTO podcast. My name is Matt Clark and today I'm going to be talking about artificial intelligence, which is a kind of headline conversation. But before I do that, I just want to talk about um 2017, which is going to be an up and coming com- con conversation as we move into into the new year. Normally what I do this time of year is pull together a series of trends which I'm I'm going to continue, but I think going to be a slight difference in terms of how we phrase these and how we um, not just only talk about 2017 but talk about some of the foundation trends that we need to be laying going into the next four to five years so there's a big conversation areas now that I think organizations need to start laying the seeds for so this is a more longer term outcome and I'm hoping to be doing that over the next uh, couple of podcasts um, I might just try and slot a couple of um, project data operational podcasts around um, project deliveries in the meantime there's a couple of conversations I want to talk through there but today is about artificial intelligence um, and it's focused on an article that I pulled together in June on June the 6th uh, called Zero to AI. The feedback that I had from the article was both interesting but you know quite quite academic in terms of the subject matter was quite deep probably this probably stems back to my interest in the subject from university days which um it was a, an area that was emerging at the time and the, every, every year we we had to do a module in this particular subject as, as the technology started to progress so it was an e- interesting conversation a lot of mathematics involved at the time but there were some fragrances that were quite unique in terms of general software engineering uh, in this type of technology, and I'll come into what that, what I mean by that later on Later on in the in the conversation. So, you can get to this article via my blog, which hopefully you've found. If you found this um, podcast, you've probably come via this route, but for those who haven't, it's mattclarkcto.com, uh, that's uh, Clark with an E, and on there, there's links off to, to subscribe to iTunes and also to uh, access SoundCloud, which... I'm seeing quite a lot of people accessing via so whether they're coming in for, via Android devices or it's just easier to get through a web browser at the desktop. It's quite 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 good to see people coming via that route. Uh, so I'm going to keep publishing via both channels, and hopefully people are finding these in- interesting. Please drop me any comments, any subject matter, any things you don't want me to do in future. I'm kind of listening to them back. Uh, i obviously taking on board comments that people are saying. I'm, I'm listening to myself, which is always the worst possible thing to do, and thinking you know, I really shouldn't say that. There's you know, As you're getting into fairly complex subject matter, if you can't get free-flowing on the subject, you're putting in pauses and erms and various other things. So you'll notice that as I'm running through this. So these are quite rough and ready, but I'm hoping to improve them as we run through the process. So, um, yeah, comments appreciated. Let's get back to artificial intelligence and the reason why... Um, I'm talking about this now, I'm particularly keen and very interested in approaching the subject because for the first time in a long time whilst this technology has been talked about both in science fiction and also been talked about in computer science circles for some time, I think we're on a path at the moment where there's a a real capability now that's being made available to, to our industry that we need to start addressing. So in my blog post I talk about zero to AI so how do we get from the days of the very first stored program computers all the way through to artificial intelligence and how we develop out an artificial intelligence application it's quite a long journey and I spend a lot of time talking about circuits and electrons and how we manipulate electrons to do basic stored programming the semiconductor world transistor worlds even the quantum mechanics in terms of developing transistors now we've miniaturized the whole world down to um millions and billions of circuits that enable us to um, min- mimic very or create very complicated fast processing machines it's all in the article and i'm not going to go over that again today i i did try and do that earlier but it's quite a complicated subject and it's one that's very visual as well so there's no point going into too much detail but in artificial intelligence and the reason why I think it's a particular key area for us all to start thinking about is because we're on the cusp of lots of frameworks and technologies that are being made available to industry that start to give us some of this basic capability so how and why do we think computers can get close to humans in terms of an intelligence perspective? Well, the answer there is, can they? I believe, yes, they can. If you look at some of the simple facts in terms of our brains being um, the most complicated um, pieces of technology in the universe, we're twice they're twice as large as our nearest competitor, i.e. the bottlenose dolphin, three times as large as chimpanzees, you know these brains are the most arguably single most complex thing in the known universe. 85 billion neurons, 85 additional billion cell type connections, each one developing between 10 000 to 100,000 connections per neuron. That's 85 to the power of. Whew, I, I can count the noughts in my article. In fact, I'm going to do this for you now. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. So that's. 10 to the power of 14 neuron connections in the human brain. Compare that with stars in our galaxy, which is 4 to the power of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. So 4 to the power of 11 stars in our galaxy. So our brains have equally, you know, have, have a fairly complex in terms of the numbers and the scale. Compare that with electronics, which really has only been around for 216 years we have on the average microprocessors a day up to 100 billion transistors and that compared with 85 to the power of 14 connections in the human brain means we're quite we're quite way behind but we've had 30 billion years to evolve electronics have 216 years to evolve so we're not doing too bad in terms of trying to create machines to replicate our capability The problem is, however, we're developing machines that work off the concept of a stored program. The computer is a stored programming processing device. We put a list of instructions in, it works through those instructions and delivers an output based on the data in those instructions and the instructions themselves. That is a fundamental concept to get your head around in terms of developing artificial intelligence applications. I'll come on to application types and how we can apply it to our industries and everything else later, but developing software that is the opposite to what a computer works with today, i.e. a stored program, uh, to develop software for an artificial intelligence application, we can't rely on the concept of a stored list of instructions. Simply because those instructions need to learn and rewrite themselves. And the learning process is the most critical concept behind artificial intelligence. And equally, the cost of that learning process is also one of the critical concepts of artificial intelligence. So as we, as a, being a software engineer as, as we are, um, or certainly I am, um, you, in order to develop a software program you work through a list and you work through a set of instructions that has logic in, uh, has rules in, has components, allocation, calculations, various other things that enable us to develop programs, sets of uh, software, software programs that enable us to process instructions, process data, various other things. Everything is encoded, every set of rules is encoded. So in order to develop artificial intelligence, we need to bring to the forefront technology that has a capability that can constantly learn and adjust its findings based on learned behavior, based on proven successful results in an automated fashion. Therefore, our software would need to rewrite itself on a constant basis. Now, to try and do that from a software development perspective, performance and everything else, it gets pretty complicated. It can be done, it gets pretty complicated. So, we've turned to mathematical techniques to represent data through numbers that we can then push through calculations that can manipulate that data, adjust the weightings of that data to come up with a set of results results that we can say that's a good result or that's a bad result. If it's a good result, you need to learn from this. You need to store that and learn from that set of calculations how you arrived at that particular result. I'll come on to that in, in more detail in a minute. So the fundamental shift in that we've developed a machine that is used to dealing with instructions to what we need to do is more or less put a trans on top of that machine that whilst the machine at its base level will deal with instructions we need a layer of software abstraction that will enable us to deal with the concept of learning and the concept of this cost function that's the quickest way that we've arrived at a learning scenario so it gets as a software developer it gets fairly complicated Now, in order to understand intelligence, we need to really arrive at the question, what is intelligence? So, defining intelligence, could it be a simple question including one's capacity for logic, logic, abstract thought, understanding, self-awareness, communication, learning, underlined again, emotional knowledge, memory, planning, creativity and problem solving? So all of those things together are some of the traits of intelligence, but for me, understanding, abstract thought, learning, emotional knowledge, memory are some of the key components with learning being the most fundamental thing because if we can learn, we can learn from behavior, we can learn from the results, we know what's a good result, what's a bad result, we're able to store that, store that in something that we can then apply to different problems so that's the critical elements as I said we can learn by rewriting our program but what we don't want to do is learn by rewriting our program because that means it rewrites for a particular case and it, it doesn't deal with the concept of intelligence in that it's not just about matching something identically it's about getting close to a threshold and that concept of a threshold with learning is is really critical and it's a critical differentiator that we need to be able to address and develop from a computing perspective, from a software perspective. So AI really is in the realms of that element. So all the technologies that involve AI focus on this concept of learning. So if, if we break down AI and we start looking at the schools within this particular subject matter, we've got knowledge representation which is one field, we've got planning, natural language processing, machine perception, motion and manipulation, long-term goals planning, and neural networks. Now, of all all of those seven areas, they are all very deep fields in the area of AI. For me and our world, neural networks is probably the most represented element of AI. It's the first thing that everybody talks about but the reason being for that is it's the first thing that gives us the capability of reprogramming ourselves reprogramming our programs understanding that we can learn and establish a cost function with a particular learning algorithm so that's why it's important and it's it's the field that's probably the most developed in in ai that gives us really a future and a set of libraries and capabilities that we can build on to produce artificial intelligence. So I'm going to focus on that one today simply because it's the area that um, I've spent most of my time and most of my thinking around. And it's also probably the oldest in terms of this particular field. So let's look at neural networks. So they've been around since 1943. It is purely a mathematical model to represent inputs, calculations and outputs. Uh, where we're able to take the inputs process a set of calculations over many iterations but also tell it what the desired outcome needs to be. So by using input data we can then establish output data. The output data we can say this is what we're looking for. So if we pass a batch of data in we can run it through the set of algorithms And tell it that actually this is the desired result. And it the bit in the middle, the black box, the bit that's doing the calculations, the bit that's doing the the thresholding is the bit called the neural network. And that's that's the thing we want the computer to arrive at at its own right. We're telling it what we're looking for, what the result is. We want it to get there itself without writing a program. Now it does that through thresholding with a mathematical algorithm and it plays with values between 0 point minus 0.5 and po- positive 0.5 and the threshold within that data set and it will iterate through various different layers in the neural network to get to a desired result that is most reflective of what you have told it to expect. So quite difficult to explain but imagine a um, network of layers so within a neural network you've got nodes. Each node, you could have the first column would have many nodes. You could have 10 nodes down. That will then process a set of results. There'll be a second layer that will then process a set of results that will then be fed into the third layer and then the final output. By configuring how many layers we need, we can then say, well, these are the number of the calculations that we work through each time. And then you can say how many iterations you want to go through the whole network. So that's the concept behind it, but each one of these nodes does its own set of calculations, which passes its value into the next node, which does its own set of calculations. So it, it gets fairly complicated, and each one is is playing around with a slightly threshold to get the results. And as it passes to the next layer, that plays around with the data to get the results. Um, and it does it through weighting. So they've been around since 1943, and then... In the 1960s we eventually got them into computing and we were able to start to replicate the calculation capability of neural networks. So quite complicated but it's worth doing some reading and I've got a, an explanation in my paper of how these things work. I want to try and make it simple to understand how we can bring it to today's application which is one of the fundamental things and as we get into this conversation I'll talk about the fields that will start to be established from an AI perspective so the application let's, let's discuss one example so we've got inputs so inputs are data so in our world we deal with digital states we deal with users and consumers interacting with applications websites mobile applications digital ecosystems they navigate in they read and consume content they do things they interact with um, and there's a a desired result that we want that consumer to get to they'll do that in a one-off engagement they may even do that over two years over five years uh, interacting with your digital assets so if we take each interaction point that's a data point so that could be accessing a website via a particular channel. So I've come in from YouTube. I've come in from advertising. I've come in from a search engine. That's a data point. I've landed on the home page. I then click to this page. So there's a click path analysis off the back of it to the desired result that we're looking for. And then over time, users may come back. We know that they've been here. They go and do other things. And then there's click path analysis of those. Each one of those micro nano data points is a process in that journey, but then the pages that they're on, they're also consuming content. So we're interacting with content. We're looking at it. We're making decisions on it. We're making decisions on what we navigate to next based on that content. Sometimes we may not be even making a decision. We're just being informed on it. So um, we're assuming some knowledge exchange at that point. Again, it's a data point that we interact with, and there's a desired result that can be indicated from that. Now what I've been looking at is how we represent that data. Now at the moment we're all in the world of data and analytics and how we perceive things like click path analysis, stats, visits, users, various other things. If we turn that on its head and look at every single engagement through that process as a point in a analogue wave and the analog wave can represent a whole journey so that journey could be the click path analysis on a first engagement for a new consumer it could be on a click path analysis on a return in user it it doesn't necessarily need to be navigation it could be viewing really large images or viewing a video or viewing an image on a hot day or a cold day or or with a product shot or whatever Again, that could be represented on a, an analogue wave with a data point representing each possible thing. So imagine each one of those analogue waves representing a input for a particular neural network. So you can have a neural network that matches a clip path analysis for a first-time user. Each, each point is a point on that analogue graph and then we've got a neural network that works based on any on, on the mathematical algorithm so we don't we're not programming anything in there it's purely performing a set of mathematical calculations on that data now the good thing about that is we're not telling the computer we're putting rules into the system we're just saying run your process run your calculations but we're telling it what the desired outcome the output needs to be so for each corresponding point on our analog wave for inputs, we've got a corresponding point on on our output data set that represents the best possible ro- result. So if it's that first time user coming in and clicking to X result, and this is the desired result for, for us as, a, as, a, as an organization, then we represent that as the output. Now The good thing about the neural network is it it takes inputs, we then let it perform its course, but we tell it what we're expecting. And then as it's running through the process, it's adjusting the thresholds, and it will keep iterating, iterating, iterating through the process until it gets the output that we're telling it we're looking for. Which is great, because what that enables us to do is not encode the rules within the program. We're able to use the mathematics to work out how we get to that rules. Now, it might take 10,000 iterations to get to the desired result, but we're able to do it in a fashion where the desired result then gets saved, not as a set of rules, but as a set of threshold, cost function, iteration ratings within the neural network, i.e., the neural network gets saved, the values get saved. So we're then able to apply that logic to the future without having to build and write the rules within our software. That's a fundamental difference in concept to today's software engineering in that once that's then saved we can then apply different input values that may not be identical it may have it it, it could be the input could be represented in an analog wave that may be close but not as close some things may be different Um, but it's able to say well actually I'm going to rerun the same same calculate calculation model And it it will get close to the output collectively across the sum of the whole parts. So we're able then to say, well, actually, this data is starting to look for patterns and it's starting to match that particular consumer. Now, we then scale that up and we say, okay, that's not just one click past analysis. We're going to look at it for all the content types. We're going to look at it for the time of day. We're going to look at it for um, the channels coming in. We're going to have a look at it for different countries, um, weather patterns events that are happening such as the Olympics. All these different variables can go through their own neural network and then they all, all can be collected up together and then put through other neural networks that will give us the results. So the complexity starts to come together as we start to analyze all these different data sets and put them through the same thing. But the whole thing's learning. So we then have given it for each individual instance, we've given it a trained result to expect for. But over time, we can optimise the training and retrain which is fantastic Then, so we can then start to say well actually we've learnt this from it by playing it through and actually the rules are slightly off let's retrain and let's retrain every single one collectively to work on the, the results of previous ones so you've got the layers of the the, the the intelligence between it so you apply that to our average digital journey and how we engage with that particular digital journey. Imagine a five year relationship with a customer. You've got first time usage, you've got repeat usage, you've got repeat usage after two years, you've got changes in content, changes in projects, product, your whole relationship with that customer, that consumer will change for a period of time. But there will be patterns. So if they're engaging with you digitally, and we're collecting that data and starting to understand that data and learning from that data, we will know after so many terabytes of consumer information, so many terabytes of results information, what's working for us, what is working for us. So we can then spot from the early engagement points of a consumer that that's going to be a good customer or a bad customer. That's going to result in this product sale or not this product sale. But equally, we can look at the reverse, and we can say um, there's a trait in a particular consumer how they're interacting with our brand or not interacting with our brand that means that they are not happy, or we may lose them as a customer in the future. So this is one such application. The key is the neural network gives us the capability of learning, and you know I've, I've addressed the learning to death, but. It gives us the ability to store these rules, store these observations of patterns in a model that we can save without us developing a program over and over again. So we're saving both the learning process, the cost function of that learning and we're saving um, the desired set of inputs over a period of time. So in order for us to develop artificial intelligence applications, the, the biggest the biggest challenge that y- we need to overcome is the understanding of the data and then also understanding of how this technology, once we get and understand that data and we can interpret learnings from that data, we can then really start to apply applications of AI. Now it's not just, I t- I'll give an example of a website, digital estate but this also refers to any data point so sensor input from a robotic device sensors on driving a vehicle geolocation information any data point so this is why big data has been so talked about within our industry will organizations will have arrived at an outcome they will arrived at analytics and trend analysis which is where we are now but the long-term game is artificial intelligence and applying some of this technology over the top of it. So the possibilities are endless for us all. And the types of jobs and job roles in future will change fundamentally. And AI architecture will be one huge discipline moving forward. But it all starts off with the data mine and the subject of data science understanding that data science but not just understanding it from a trends analytics perspective, really understanding it from a learning and cost function perspective as a neural network work at the moment. So we're doing some of this thinking at the moment and we're applying we're we're spending a lot of time around the data science piece, but what I'm doing is taking that one step further and I'm using artificial intelligence capability through libraries so there's some great PHP libraries out there that give us basic neural network capabilities which are fantastic because you can what we're trying to do is get the most simplistic form of neural network to w- understand how we can apply and how we can push data through that network to give us a desired result to then make us think about the application of that data which is the place to be in terms of really starting to understand the benefits of how we can use it in industry as we take one step forward, obviously the, the, the wider technology um, sector is developing this capability. So we know AI exists in all the major search engines. We know AI is starting to do things like Apple, Siri. We know it's there. We know that technology is often closed to us. We, we're, as I talked about in my digital hub podcast a couple back, the concept of the enterprise digital hub that sits there and brings together the digital estate and understands the data points, the interactions, a single consumer view, the capabilities of services and how we apply that, how everyone interacts with that overall process is one of the most important learning points in this whole journey to AI. So as I said, job roles will change, data science will change. Start o- Starting off with the basics of the basic libraries around your and then as the technology industry starts to move forward, and I'll talk about a concept of TensorFlow, um, which is Google's um, neural network API, which is a bit more advanced, gives us some more capability, very proprietary to Google, and even though it's an open source technology. We've got some of these industrial grade capabilities that enable us to leap forward, but you can't use that technology now without starting with the basics and understanding it. So this concept of AI architecture, needs to be seeded now and I mean now 2016 2017 into the data science strategies of organisations and the conversation needs to be had now explained now talked about now in terms of what this could mean for us in the future the starting point is the data mine, then the science around the data, then all the analytics and trends and predictions and targeting the end goal the AI architecture. And by breaking that and understanding that data down, we can then understand what our inputs need to be into these learning cost functions within a neural network. So, my article goes on and talks about this in detail. It talks about the capability. I'd love to do m- more about the applications of AI, but before I get into that, I thought it's really important to get across the concepts of this and the seed elements as I said the data before I kind of move forward and that today is the end of my article I've actually um, redone this twice already because I produced one it was just a bit too long and it's quite a difficult visual subject to talk about so this is my second cut I'm also trying out a new microphone as well um, rather than using a, a big standard microphone I'm using the more portable ones because we're about to start doing some interview podcasts as well. So hopefully the sound quality is a lot better from this. But I hope you enjoyed today uh, today's uh, conversation. And if there's any feedback around this subject or any other subject, please drop me an email. email address is matt at e uh, or you can get me via my website, mattclark. Speak to you all soon.